and everything looks like we're live. So welcome everyone to Casa Live. Thank you everybody out there in chat right now. Joined us today on this fine October Saturday. We'll kick things right off here. Kristen, hey, how are you? You're gonna ask me first, huh? Yeah, I'm gonna ask you. <laughs> um, good, good. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there. I still uh, suffering from this cold my husband brought home. So I apologize to everybody in advance. I may occasionally be popping my, my halls for my throat. Um, but- uh, Are those yeah, cherry halls? They are cherry. My husband doesn't like the cherry. I had to go out and get him the oh, menthol. I'm the same way. I don't like the cherry either. <laughs> I had to get the menthol one. So the only ones left are the cherry. <laughs> Got to get the lemon honey. Those are the ones. I have some of those upstairs too. I was like, which one do I want? I'm like, I'm going to go for the cherry. Yeah. Lemon honey <laughs> halls are the jam when you're sick. Oh, no, my husband liked those the plain blue ones, the menthol eucalyptus. Oh, no. Yeah, that's that's his jam. But... Oh, no. no, no. Your husband is wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what you said, so. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm glad you're uh, you're starting to feel better, though. Ugh. You said the other day it was pretty rough. It was been a rough week. Yeah, it was a yeah. rough week. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you're feeling better, Alex. Hey, how are you? Hanging in there as well. I'm not sick. I, I haven't had a cold in years, but um, I, uh, I uh, I'm fighting back a headache and just kind of really anxious to get through this. Well, we're all a mess, huh? <laughs> well, then we'll just, we'll, just, we'll just move right along. Yeah. We'll just move right along. I don't want to hold up your, your anxiety any further. So <laughs> without, uh, without further ado, we're just going to jump. Are you ready? Are you ready to yeah. jump right in? Let's, kick Let's it. just do the thing. We're going to do the thing. All right, moving swiftly along into the legislative rundown. Alex, what do you have for us this week? What is all the stuff that we need to know? What is happening now? So I'm going to navigate, of course, to the thing. Um, we are still encouraging people to reach out to their federal lawmakers and urge them to uh, not impose this excessive tax on safer nicotine products um there there have been some updates it sounds like there's been some positive news um in on this front uh but uh you know the advice practical advice a good advice is always to remain vigilant um and so you know this isn't the last time we're going to see a proposal like this um so it's good to to make it make the opposition memorable um so that's still up and um, we'll probably keep that up until we get some sort of solid confirmation that the that the tax is out um, or the budget is passed without the tax, uh, whichever comes first. Um, so that's the uh, that's the vape tax call to action for everyone everywhere. Um, also, uh, I, I, I think I failed to mention this last time. If you uh, want a QR code that links to this engagement, just send me an email, aclark at casa.org. You can even send it to board or take action, whichever one. Just include QR code in the subject line, and we'll attach it to an email and send it back to you. Um, so that's that. Uh, the next thing we've got going on is the Denver, Colorado flavor ban. Filling airtime while we wait for things to load here. Um, we updated this, uh, did I do this yesterday or Thursday? It doesn't matter, they're all really the same day. Um, 
So there was a meeting this week on the 6th and uh, following two hours of debate and uh, testimony from the public, uh, they postponed the vote until Wednesday, October 27th. So this is still very much an active engagement uh, and uh, people living in Denver, Colorado, uh, please take the time to reach out to your council members. Um, this is a committee vote that's coming up on the 27th. So there's more, more to come from Denver in deciding whether or not to do this. Uh, and now is a great time to uh, make contact with your lawmakers. So that's Denver. Denver is updated. Um, Michigan. Let's get to Michigan. And uh, good news out of Michigan, uh, but take it with a grain of salt. Um, the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services has withdrawn their flavor ban rule. Uh, so this will not be going before the Joint Committee on Administrative Rules, or JCAR for short. JCAR. Um, and... Uh, Obviously, the, the meeting was supposed to happen this past week. Um, I, I did update this. Yeah, okay. So it's, it's in the little update box over here. Uh, also up in here. Um, <laughs> sorry, for those of you listening without the... the <laughs> of, Benefit of the video. Of it's video. Here and over yeah. here. It's in, the, it's in the click for latest updates and history section. And also when you go to our engagement to get some information on here, you can read the rule if you like. Um, and we also provide talking points, uh, very brief talking points for uh, putting together your, your uh, testimony and uh, letters to lawmakers and so on, because you're going to need this later. So um, keep all of these, you know, tips and tricks in mind because the word on the street is that uh, this will be moving to a fight in the legislature. Um, there are, I believe, if I remember correctly, something like 21 session days left in this year. Uh, but that, you know, it's not likely that something would be introduced. I'm not sure what the rules are in Michigan in terms of introducing a, a new law or uh, reintroducing or even I'm not sure where the current lead pack of bills is in the process off the top of my head. So um, this could either be something that, you know, they start pushing those tie barred bills. There's like five or six bills that are all linked together. If one of them fails, the whole package fails. Um, and uh, we also have an engagement up for that, um, which I don't think we have, uh, it's not inactive, but, you know, I don't want to, you know, keep your powder dry. I don't want to, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, send people out there and, and, and we don't really need it right now. Um, but if you do want to check it out, um, the, the descriptions of the tie barred legislation are all in the stop a vapor tax engagement for Michigan. And this is, I, I don't know if it's going to be identical to this, but this is likely what we'll be facing in 2022. Um, so uh, yeah, and to answer Adrian Mason's question, wasn't Michigan the first that banned flavors in 2019? I uh, believe they were the first to attempt it. I don't know that we're, I don't think Michigan was successful, uh, or Governor Whitmer was not successful in banning flavors because they ran up, they, it was the same kind of scenario where 
you're you're passing and you know it's an executive order essentially um but it, it I, I i can't remember exactly what happened michigan did take flavors off the shelf it was yeah it was a governor's um emergency order or whatever and that okay. expired if i remember correctly right. and then the health department was going to try to make it permanent and then i believe that was stopped in court Where's Mark when you need him? Um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> um, I think you're right. I, everything gets, yeah. is getting jumbled in my head with what and just, yeah, is, Michigan went through a whole lot with this. Yeah. Uh, and one this thing is, I do remember about Michigan's flavor ban, though, is it was like one of the most like severe, like punishment wise. Michigan was the state that tried to um, enact something around if, if even possession was worthy of of jail time. Was that Michigan? That, that's that's Massachusetts. Another M. That was, oh, that was Massachusetts. Okay, yeah, Massachusetts. M states, you know. Yeah. So there. So there. So basically, this last one was the health department trying to do that, making that rule permanent again, and they kind of came up against some of the legislature or something. We're not sure what happened, but they got withdrawn. Um, but it doesn't sound like any kind of flavor bans in any of that other stuff that. That's all tax stuff, right? I don't yeah, remember no, anything no, it's, about flavor ban in that, but it's still a tax, and it's a, it's a significant tax. It's an eighteen percent wholesale, I think. Yeah. So uh, again, uh, this is it, it's 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 suspected, but not necessarily likely that this identical legislation will be reintroduced. I, I think the addition of a flavor ban is what we're expecting, um, and there's also there's sort of this added complication of. Now that we have FDA enforcement of PMTA uh, and, and all these companies are receiving MDOs and, and products are supposed to be removed from the market, uh, the legislation will likely be calling for, I think it's already in this, this pack of bills, is calling for, for essentially a list. You have to be registered with the state to manufacture and sell products in Michigan. Uh, and in order to be registered, you will have to have a marketing authorization from FDA. Uh, and so this will wipe out anybody who doesn't have marketing authorization, uh, which is everybody right now. So um, I thought it was either or. I thought you had to have either application pending or authorization. I thought that's the way I read it. But I could I'm, be wrong. That's, I could swear that's the way I read it. But yeah, there are there, <laughs> there are some places where that language has made it into statute. Uh but uh, not all of them are doing. New York, for example, does not defer to FDA for um, you know so that provisional authorization, uh, and and so other other places may. Um, but you know even you know it, it's just, it's kind of a sticky wicket because we do expect states to pick up the slack in enforcement um, where FDA is just physically not capable of doing it. Uh, and uh, and this this really all just sort of goes back to FDA. So um, you know whatever that's this is this that's a discussion for another position, uh, I'm sure. Um, but that's the, all of that to say the tie barred pack of legislation is going to be a threat again, uh, not likely for the rest of this year, but certainly uh, or most likely at the beginning of 2022. So. Um, if you want to research, if you want to look into all of that, it's all up on our website uh, under the Michigan uh, calls to action and uh, check it out. Get informed and get ready because uh, we're going to need you. I did just drop the link to the Michigan page in the chat. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, just make sure that, you know, like I said, in, like we said in the, our tweets and our social media, this, it, 
make sure you're following us on social media. Join your state Facebook group in Michigan if you're not in the Michigan group. And make sure you're signed up for Casas. You get the alerts when this comes back up again. It's because it's probably going to rear its ugly head. So, um, Moving right along, stuff that is on my to-do list coming out in Tuesday, on Tuesday probably. Uh, Washington County, Oregon has, as uh, predicted, as warned, um, changed their ordinance from uh, flavors being allowed uh, for sale in adult access, adult-only access establishments uh, to just an all-out flavor ban. Uh, so that that has evolved in the way that we were warned it might, and uh, I'll be putting out an engagement for that. Uh, there's an article. We'll have the link in the description, or I don't know that this is on our uh, blog post for this week. Um, there's a lot of other sort of heads ups and, and calls to action on on the blog post for this week. Um, so check that out as well. Um, so Washington yeah. County, Oregon, be on the lookout. I'll be putting something out probably on Tuesday. Um, the next kind of heads up here, and I think we actually have a date on when this meeting is going to occur. Um, I think it's towards the end of October. This is St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, uh, I, I haven't um, totally looked into, I, I, I haven't looked at this with much detail, um, but we have an ordinance that we're concerned about uh, being proposed in St. Paul. Um, I mean, look, you know, Casa doesn't stand up for cigarettes. Um, but when you start talking about adjusting prices, a $10 minimum price, that's what we have in New York City. Um, actually, is it $10 minimum price in New York City or 15? I just know that cigarettes cost 15 bucks a pack in New York, um, in, in the city, in the city. not <clears throat> I know that the city has a higher uh, tax than the rest of the state does. Yeah, but I don't know uh, what the minimum is. New York City has minimum uh, pricing for cigarettes. Um, again, it's sort of it's just an artificial price increase, and and you know allegedly, you know according to some data, this inspires people to quit smoking and never start. So um, it also inspires people to seek out cheaper alternatives, cheaper products on an underground market, um, and you kind of have to weigh which one is worse. Uh, so Minnesota looking to copy New York. Um, and uh, I, I believe there's a flavor ban component in here. Uh, no more menthol uh, and uh, other things. Uh, so this was introduced and we'll be moving through the hearing process. I'm going to look into the, I promise, uh, Skip Murray, thank you for sharing this with me. I will look into this with more detail and likely, again, put something out Tuesday, Wednesday, sometime this week uh, and get people engaged. So uh, just to review uh, U.S. vape tax parity uh, still uh, still a thing until we get confirmation. Uh, Denver, Colorado flavor ban. Uh, the, the meeting next meeting is coming up at the end of the month. Michigan the rule is withdrawn, but we're looking at legislation for next year and uh, calls to action pending for Washington County, Oregon, and St. Paul, Minnesota. And that's what I got for this week. Right on. All right. Did everybody get all that? You guys got all that? <laughs> There's a quiz at the you end. You guys rewind and listen. Yeah, again. we'll uh, we'll have a pop quiz at the end of the. Yeah. I guess it won't be much of a pop quiz if I tell you all. But um, all right. Well, if uh, if we're ready <clears throat> to uh, to do some takes, then we will we'll jump right into it. Alex, are you ready? I'm ready. Kristen, you ready? Ready. All right. Let's do the thing.
Kristen was kind enough to inform me of the order that we're going in prior to the show, and I've already forgotten. I made an executive decision. I think I go somewhere in the middle, and somebody <laughs> I think, else goes Yeah, third. I think I volunteered I to go first. I volunteered to go first. Ooh, um, you volunteered to go first. Okay. Don't ask me why. Maybe to get it over with, and hopefully... <laughs> I won't have, I think if I haven't talked too much, hopefully I'll be able to get through without having a coughing fit. So, um, so my take this week is on Dr. Brad Radu, Radu's, uh, recent blog post talking about the young adult, uh, vaping and smoking rates. And this, I was like, so happy to see him do this because this is an argument that I've been making for so long of why is it if there's this huge you know, epidemic of teens becoming lifelong addicts, you know, nicotine addicts, addicts, sorry. Um, why are we not seeing that translate into young adult smokers, you know, when they graduate from high school and now they're 18 and 19 and up to 24. And, I, and but we had to kind of wait for a while. I mean, he makes, he does make some arguments in here, <coughs> excuse me, based on the, um, and I got to pull it up so I can read it better. Um, he says, I mean, he, of course he goes in and read this article. If you guys are not following Dr. Radu, um, on Twitter and reading his blog, you really should. It's Radu tobacco truth.blogspot.com. Uh, the link is in our newsletter to this latest one, but really go read his stuff. He's, he's been, a, he's been a, um, harm reduction advocate longer than some of you guys have been out of diapers. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so, but what he was doing here was he, he showed this, you know, he was saying that, um, look at what's going on in, if you see here, the 18 to 24 years age groups and 2020, you're seeing 7.1. And that was about, what were we at that year? 20 for past 30 day, 20% in high school, I want to say. Was it last year 20%? I don't, I don't remember now. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yes, yes. He even said- Yeah, don't put me on the spot with, with previous <laughs> he, he said the right blow. High school vaping was 20% in 2020, but 9.4% among young adults. Now, the problem with that is those young adults were in high school pre-vaping epidemic. So that's what they could use. It's like, well, we have to wait till all these kids at the height of the epidemic get out of high school and see what happens to them. Are they going to be smoking by that point? Are they still going to be vaping? And not, and what he points out here is that not only are they not becoming, you know, lifelong smoking addicts or nicotine addicts or whatever people want to call it. Um, they're not even vaping as much as they did in high school. So <clears throat> pardon me. Um, and he does talk about how high school vaping rates are hyperinflated compared to other other surveys because in this survey with young adults they um they look at every day who vape or smoke every day or on some days whereas you know with the um high school one they're using at least one puff in the past 30 days <coughs> so i'm going to keep this short because if i talk for any amount of time my throat starts going goo goo on me um but uh, yeah, so uh, I highly recommend you read this article. It, it, it's got some really good evidence of the fact that this idea that 
vaping flavors, <coughs> jewel, vape shops, whoever's fault it's supposed to be is creating this whole generation of nicotine addicts and future smokers is <clears throat> not coming up in the numbers because everybody who, if you figure Juul came on the market, because I'm only, and I'm not trying to pick on Juul, just that that's what they do is they pick on Juul. So if you're thinking 2015, well, <clears throat> all the kids who were 13 through 19 in 2015, when years old in 2015, when Juul came on the market, <clears throat> were in high school and stuff through the height of the vaping epidemic. So now in 2020, they are 18 to 23 or 24. So they're in that young adult group now, the group that we finally had enough years. And that seems to be the story of vaping. We have to wait for enough years to go by to prove all the crap that the ants were saying is wrong. <laughs> and we're finally getting into that point and we've got we're into that kind of the very beginning of it. But there's, cause they, would, they might want to point to like 2018 or 2019 as being the height and 2015 was just the beginning. But think about all those kids in 2015 and stuff who were already in high school. So it's just the numbers aren't adding up this this he completely deflates their whole argument that there's a gateway that there's a whole generation of teens becoming lifelong addicts it just completely debunks that whole myth and if you want to be somebody who has to um who wants to be able to argue this uh intelligently and with facts go to this go to uh, Dr. Radu's site and it's all there for you and commit it to memory and just throw it at people on Twitter. <laughs> I also just really love that line that he has in bold right here. If America's <laughs> public health leaders abandoned their war on vaping and instead adopted their British counterparts practice acknowledging that it's vastly safer, these smokers might walk away from the fire. Yeah, he's just brilliant. Not only is he intelligent, but he's great with words. He's just brilliant. So Walk yeah, away um, from the fire. I strongly recommend that any advocate for THR or vaping read his blog and go back and read stuff from way back when because he's been doing this longer than any of us practically. And pro not even practically, he has been doing this longer than any of us and before vaping even existed. And a lot of his work is what vaping was based on in the early days. And you can learn a lot of stuff about all these tactics that you think, Oh, why are these guys doing this? Why are why do they hate us? They just don't understand, or we just need to explain. And he'll show you, you know, you read his stuff and what they did with with smokeless tobacco and stuff like that, and you'll see this is nothing new. They 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 honed their craft long before vaping even came out. So strongly recommend uh, you guys read that. And with that, I'm going to take a halt and moving on to uh, Logan. Ooh, my <laughs> turn. Okay. My take's going to be pretty short and sweet this week. Uh, this comes from Jim, who is uh, not only a, a writer for Vaping360, but also on the board here at CASA. So thank you, Jim. Trade a agency orders ICOs off the U.S. market. Uh, the U.S. International Trade Commission, ITC, found that Philip Morris International's ICOs heated tobacco product violates uh, British American tobacco patents, BAT's patents. Um, and therefore imports of the device in the United States are illegal and the ban will take place, take effect in 60 days. Uh, so in two months, uh, the imports of ICOS will be illegal, illegal prohibition. No, it's not quite prohibition, but still illegal. Um, 
this is uh i'm not going to read this whole article it is short uh so for anybody out there that does want to read through it it is pretty quick and easy to get through um some an interesting little tidbit in here though uh jim writes another possible route for altria pmi according to the tobacco porter uh, would be to shift ICOS production to the U.S. since the decision only applies to imports. ICOS is manufactured in Europe and Asia. Uh, again, this is a this is a patent issue. Um, so either way you look at it, uh, it's going to be illegal to import in the next sixty days. Again, unless they figure out a, another way around this or begin manufacturing here in the U.S. ICOS is currently only available in Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia. Uh, and, and yeah, that's really at the end of the day, this is just a, another, it's just crappy for consumers. This is one, one tool in the toolbox for, um, for people who smoke to switch to a safer alternative, uh, whether you're a fan of heat, not burn, uh, products or not. Um, it, it is, uh, it's not great to see to see it leave. I guess it's one more tool in the toolbox for people to use that now they will uh, no longer have access to. So I don't really have much of a take other than and really just kind of reporting that and that it sucks. That's my take, really. It really surprised me that they're only selling in four states. Yeah, I think it was a slow rollout because they do they do like the the marketing kind of trial like it, this started in in what Atlanta in Georgia just to see how it would do. And then they kind of slowly expand from there. Um, but yeah, that's that's it for ICOS right now. And we'll see where it goes from there. Alex, I did, I, did just, I did just want to share before the, uh, this is this is the 30th right here um, for, for Altria, for actually, yeah, MO, that's Altria's stock ticker. Um, oh. So here's here's market open on the thirtieth for um, Altria, but um, it's it's not uh, it's not an isolated thing. I think if you look at the broader market, um, you know here's here's the open on the thirtieth for the market. This is the S and P five hundred. So right. it's it, it's not an isolated thing necessarily. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, bad news, individual, individual stocks are, are certainly affected by bad news like this. Um, sure. so, yeah, but one of the, one of the articles that I shared with our blog this last week was, and I pardon for me for talking with a cough drop in my mouth, um, was that, um, they were saying that Altria was probably going to be, was it, was it Altria that was going to be the winner in the whole vape wars thing? Because as they are banning all the other stuff, they're going to be fine, essentially. You know what I mean? Like, let me see if I can. Well, oh, I, and yeah, I mean, it's their ICOS kind of being the winner of. Yeah. Um, wait, let me see if I can find it now. Well, I mean, if, so think about Altria's, you know, different um, stakes and all of it. Altria has, you know, they're diversified. It's, it's, you know, they're not just making money off of sales of Juul, which they don't own Juul. They own 35% stake right. and they've certainly installed some of their executives to get things under control. Um, and, and anybody, I, I'm not living under any illusion that Altria isn't eventually going to own all of Juul. Um, it's, 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 it's very probable at this point, um, unless of course PMTAs are denied and maybe they'll just bail and, and be done with it. 
Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the sentiment there is, and this has been the criticism of the regulations all along is that, um, or which is one, one of many criticisms that, you know, cigarette companies always have their, their original product to fall back on. They can finance their PMTAs by continuing to sell cigarettes. The small vapor, the independent vapor industry doesn't have that luxury. Um, well, maybe it's not best to describe it as a luxury, but, um, you know, I, I think, you know, Altria also owns other things so you know as a company they're they're right. going to be fine um but well, the i just found the article i forgot what it was but <clears throat> the, the exact quote was the, this guy was telling investors that the 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 vape ta- the nicotine tax would make non-cigarette products less attractive than cigarettes right yeah all three would be the winner because with you know that was an interesting article that also is on our uh on our blog too yeah and what it what it looks like though is if if Altria <laughs> does shift to manufacturing in the U.S., they could basically just pick right up where they left off because they've already gone through PMTA and MRTP. Yeah. Now there so was a question. Be... Can you see that, Alex? Do you want to? Now that the ICOs will be banned, do you think big tobacco will take more interest in their PMTA? Uh, Whose PMTA is my question? Yeah, that's uh, uh, big tobacco is painting with a broad brush. Um. I mean, the, those PMTAs are there and, uh, uh, you know, Jewel is in, Views is in, uh, Views is Reynolds. Um, you know, it, essentially, you know, the message that we all got was that um, FDA is prioritizing PMTAs uh, for companies, the top like four or five companies based on market share. Uh, and so that's those are the people getting the most attention and the most thorough review. Um, but we'll get into this a little bit later, of course, with Turning Point Brands. Um, not much confidence that the review is actually thorough. Um, so, right. uh, <laughs> you know. FDA doing a little bit of backpedaling. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that is, uh, that is my take this week on the iCoast. Hopefully, uh, hopefully something changes there. Uh, and we, we see the iCoast back in the U S market or, or potentially other heat, not burn products, uh, here in the U S market. Uh, because really, <clears throat> in the U.S., that's it uh, as as far as heat not burn goes. Um, Reynolds, I believe it's Reynolds, right? Has glow, but that's not here. It's, that's yeah. is it Reynolds, or is that BAT that has glow? It, that, that's that's BAT. And, that's and, BAT. Yeah, that's, yeah. So that's, and that's the that's Europe that's what this whole thing was about. Was you know right. that, that that PMI. Uh, whatever, uh, you know, infringed on the Reynolds patent of right. believe glow. Yeah. Yeah. And just to so. be clear, ICOS, it, 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 he said, said now that ICOS will be banned, I, ICOS is not being banned. The importation. The importation of ICOS is banned. So, yes. I mean, feasibly, they could open a factory here and make them here. You know, I mean, we've been talking exactly. about that. So yeah. not necessarily banned. And if they can settle their whole patent thing, they'll be able to start selling it again. So, or importing, importing. They'd be able to import it again if they so, settle the, yeah. the, so it's not the really, lawsuits over the patents. Yeah, it's not really what you, I mean, it's kind of diff, a temporary de facto ban, I, I guess you'd say. Yeah, I mean, literally all this would take is is Altria and, and PMI, like you said, opening a, a manufacturing facility for this here <laughs> in the States, because again, they already have authorization through the FDA, through PMTA and MRTP to sell these products. That's just the country. workaround. They, they just can't now, well, issue. going into effect in 60 days, they won't be able to import these products into the US. I'm, but that doesn't I'm, involve their patent issue. 
I'm I'm gonna pee on this fire to put it out because <laughs> <laughs> there's I, there's I think there's just some commentary here that I've been sort of stewing on overnight, which is um, you know we can call it a ban, we can call it whatever. This is business as usual. This is there's nothing special about this. This is one company vying for market share over another one. The problem that, as as I think BAT sees it, is of course you know I I, I can't tell you whether or not ICOS infringes on their patents or not. Um, I just I just don't know. Uh, but it's you know certainly uh, any company needs to come up to the plate and defend their intellectual property. Uh, that. That is just business. I don't care if you're making cupcakes or heat not burn products. Uh, you need to defend your brand. Uh, and it's this is, I think, sort of the downside of the environment where it's, it, it, there's upsides and downsides to this being sort of a free market thing. Uh, and this is an example of the downside. So now you have millions of people who are being denied access to a product that was actually approved to be marketed uh, I'm sorry, authorized for marketing in the United States because it met the appropriate appropriate for the protection of public health standard. It has even received a modified risk order, uh, which is specifically modified exposure. Uh, and there are millions of people who smoke right now who absolutely deserve access to ICOS. Uh, and in my like, you know, uh, uh, unpolished masses, unwashed masses, you know, man on the street kind of reaction is if Reynolds wants to get in on the game, then bring your product to market. I, you know, I, I, I understand that there are significant hurdles to this. We are all painfully aware of that. But you're a massive tobacco company. Do the things that bring your product to market if you want to capture the market share. Are you, I, I just, are you talking about BAT? Yeah, I, I mean, okay. which which would be by which be through Reynolds, I believe. So it, it's, I, it, that's the thing that's really frustrating about it. I understand that companies need to profit off of the products that they sell. I get that. You need to defend your intellectual property. I absolutely get that. But the larger story here is help clean up the mess that your companies created by deceiving the public and misleading health professionals and health officials for decades. It, it, it seems to me that in, you know, it, it, as, as I, I'm going to use the term wrong, but, you know, a good faith measure here would be to suspend the business as usual practices and just start pumping out smoke free products, start promoting the safer alternative. That's what we want. That's what we need. And 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 everything else takes second priority or it should. And I'm, I'm 100% positive that there's a lawyer out there for Reynolds who can dress me down and tell me, look, kid, you don't know the first thing about making a buck. And, you know, if we don't make our money off of this, then we can't produce the products and we can't do all the good that we want to do. Fine. But I, I just there's there's part of me that really looks at this whole case and sees a really bad look for everybody. I mean, it, 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 it in a way supports the narrative that this is all about profits over public health, that if 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 Reynolds can't get in with glow, then uh, then nobody can. Nobody can get nobody can have the heat not burn technology. So I, I, I you know, so, I, I, I'm willing to accept that I'm completely wrong about that. But it is it is a frustration. Well, that I, I, I yeah, I'm just trying to. to so just to, to clarify what you're saying is Reynolds or whoever it is that makes glow or be it, is it 
Bat or who? BAT. Who I think BAT manufacturer okay. and then okay. Reynolds. And they're the ones who sued. Reynolds is in the United States. BAT is the right. rest of Europe, Asia. Right. And, right. But they're a subsidiary of BAT, right? Reynolds is. And yeah. BAT sued Altria over using something from their patent in the ICOs, correct? So what you're saying is BAT should just suck it up and just let them do it just for the greater good? I mean, that's is that essentially what you're... I mean, I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm I, just saying, I, is that essentially what you're saying? I think you can boil it down to that, yes. <laughs> okay. Which I, I get is, is kind of a naive way to look at it, but, you know. Yeah. This isn't yeah. this isn't the cigarette wars. We're we're right. done with that, or we should right. be done with that. I, well, this, my there question is, is, if they wanted to sell it here so bad, why haven't they? Why yeah, do they I don't know up, what the holdup is. It's like why I, do I they mean, sit on that patent and let Reynolds or not let um, Altria get get it out ahead of them? So I mean, it's like I don't know. You snooze, you lose. Is that the idea though? Is that the idea to rein them in, and then you know the next phase is to move through the pathways to bring that to the market here, their own product? Is that, you I, know, we're, we're going to remove you and then move in? Is that, I don't know, that's kind of where I, I think it's going, but I don't I don't want to speculate because I'm, I'm terrible at it. I'm always wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's, that's my, it, it's me putting on the tinfoil hat and, and getting conspiratorial yeah. about it and, and, and calling this business as usual. Um, I, and, and I mean, again, I, I cannot begrudge a company for protecting their intellectual property. Arguably, we should have seen things from companies like M&M Mars, uh, other food and candy companies that should have stepped in sooner and gone after even the little guys for appropriating their branding and putting it on e-liquid. Uh, you know, we, yeah. several of us have seen companies appropriating IP that is you know, as far as we know, is most likely been uh, focus grouped and tested on young people. It is literally marketing candy. It's a it's a really bad idea to steal that and put it on an adult product. I don't care what you think about alcohol. We're not talking about alcohol. We're talking about vaping and some of the small fly by night. Operations oh, sure. I mean, I you know, out you, of the, the community. Oh, yeah, I've seen really models that literally look Sour. like the branding from, you know, Sour candy bar companies. I'm not going right. to name any of them or whatever, but so I mean, it's almost yeah. identical. And yeah, yeah. you're absolutely I, right. That I, type I, of branding is changing been... the name just a little bit, but using all the same colors and yeah. No, I mean, in some places, like a one to one appropriation. It wasn't yeah, absolutely. Like, they weren't even trying to be clever. They were just like, wow. you know, no. this is Skittles flavored, and it's yeah. Just, wow. you know, it's like I've branding. seen bottles of e-liquid that literally it's like Snuckers, but it's the <laughs> Snickers like label, color, yeah. font. You know the whole nine, but it's like well, in a way, it just kind of shows you that we really are in some little you know, small bubble because nobody's actually gotten sued from that. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, there's a there's a whole cost benefit, right? Like it costs more <laughs> to hire the team of lawyers to do that than it does to, you know, and then you're really protecting your brand. Well, you so. could just take the letter. And more often than not, when you letter. see stuff like that, it tends to be like fly by night, super little, small. Yeah. Man. You don't see any of the major major brands really appropriating ip like that no um, yeah but it still it happens i mean it it, it absolutely happens you're right yeah it, it it's 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 not specific to nicotine it's just more you know kind of on fire and, and in our faces because of all the controversy around you know nicotine sure. tobacco whatever um so yeah i i know it's it's it it, it, it sounds very conspiratorial and and like i said I'm, I'm happy to be wrong about this 
but but yeah, I think there is an argument here for the greater good and, and putting aside some of that business as usual, you know, tactics and so on that, you know, there's a there's a huge benefit. Uh, and, and to somebody asking, you know, if people were, yeah, do, does Americans even want to, to buy them? Um, yeah, I, I mean, there are, I, I've tried Icos. Uh, it's, it's, it's not really my jam, not, uh, not a huge fan of it, uh, but I am, am fairly Had convinced. Have you been just coming off of, or trying to quit smoking if you were still smoking cigarettes? That's At that's, that point, I think that's where, that's where I think for a lot of people, Icos is really bad. And this is just my personal opinion. If you're somebody who has long quit smoking or you've been vaping for a long time or you use products like Snooze, something like that, um, my understanding with Icos is it, it tastes very similar. It tastes closer to a traditional cigarette, things like that. It, it's a little more mimicky of that, even though obviously there's no combustion, there's no burning. Um, but the, the the taste and things like that are very close. And so like there's, I think for a lot of people, that's like a really great first transition product or or even if that's your long term transition product. I think for a lot of people that that works really well at that. Sorry, point. I. I just, uh, Daniel just messaged me, so I missed it. Are you guys talking about arbitrarily Alias's question about, but does, yeah. but do Americans yeah. even want to buy them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah, that you, you can't say whether or not they, I mean, they're very popular in Japan. And, yeah. you know, even if, and I think they would be because think of how many, I mean, we're always going on and on about flavors, but a lot of people in the beginning, I remember in the early days, I, I mean, I don't know if this is still the case because I haven't been a new vapor for a long time, but we were chasing that unicorn of making the best tobacco taste like a cigarette. I mean, people were putting like liquid smoke in the liquid. To oh, make sure. Liquid trying to get that like ashy flavor. <laughs> that they taste. were trying, yeah. you know, so you have to take away your mindset of I vape and vaping is the best thing in the whole world. Why would anybody want to do anything else? And realize that a not everybody wants what you want. That's what makes vaping so great. And b that you know, Casa is about all these different options, including smokeless. And that there is this c. I'll say it because I forgot to say c. <laughs> if I'm going to do the alphabet, that there are people who do like tobacco flavor and they just don't want to die. Sure. And that's what we used to say. I'm so using a tobacco flavor e-liquid today. Yeah. So we talked about. And the only reason tastes a little bit like leather. <laughs> Yeah, my bourbon leather tobacco liquid. But it's like I said at the beginning of this take, this is another tool in the toolbox that's being taken away from consumers right now in the U.S. It's not whether you like Icos or you think it's, you know, whatever your thoughts and feelings are. This is a product that has gone through the pathway through FDA, has been deemed appropriate for the protection of public health. It's a safer product for people who smoke. And those people are losing access to this product. It's another tool in the toolbox that is being taken away. And that's a shame. At the end of the day, that's that's the biggest thing is that this is, this is like Alex said, you know, we're talking about the greater good and things like that for people who smoke. This is uh, a product that they could greatly benefit from that they are losing access to. Whether that's temporarily or not, millions of people are losing access to a safer alternative. And that's- And just a quick answer to this question. Kithrin said, or big tobacco is waiting on vaping to be crushed, and they can say that this is not vaping; it's different. Incumbent tobacco companies they already have, their have hand in vaping, like yeah. They first of all, they do sell vapor products, and second of all, this is already approved. They're already good to go. They don't need to crush vaping because yeah. they've already got the holy grail that vaping doesn't have, which is P, you know uh, PMTA. PMTA. So, yeah. 
All right. Alex, I think it's your turn. Alex, it is your turn. What is your take this week? I was going to end that with saying you didn't think that was going to be a long discussion, but hey, I I was like, this is going to take two <laughs> minutes to get through this take, but no, it's <laughs> um, we pulled up stocks and everything. Yeah, yeah, man, I got the, got the charts. <laughs> um, so uh, my take really isn't a take, but it's a, a maybe a, just a little bit of discussion here. Um, yesterday, we put up a position statement on synthetic nicotine. Um, and I, it, it's really hard for me to, I, I, I wrote this, so I, <laughs> I don't, it, it's hard for me to boil it all down here. Um, but, um, uh, some resources in here, uh, just to point people to, uh, we link to a blog post from DIY or die. Uh, he does a good job of explaining Wait. in more depth what, uh, synthetic nicotine, uh, is a little bit of the history. I noted a little bit of here. And, and of course we link to the reference, uh, I think where we should. Yeah, it's in the text. Um, this is not a research paper, so we don't do the footnotes and all those fancy things. Um, but uh, so in case people are unaware, uh, in the wake of the MDOs, several manufacturers are transitioning to synthetic nicotine because synthetic nicotine uh, does not fall under FDA's tobacco regulatory authority. Um, and that there's there's debate here whether or not that's something that can be changed by rulemaking or if it's going to take an act of Congress or the third option, which is FDA regulates synthetic nicotine like a drug. Um, and we'll get into that later on. Um, so uh, all of that to say briefly, uh, synthetic nicotine is here. It is likely here to stay on a regulated market or an underground market. Um, it's a choose your own adventure kind of thing if you are the FDA or public health activists. Um, and uh, we can either embrace this and try to regulate it properly. Um, I, I, I tried to sort of frame this as, um, you know, Kassaw's support for the availability of synthetic nicotine is, of course, based on um, the, what we already know about tobacco derived nicotine, which is number one, it's smoke free. Uh, number two, uh, it has similar effects, of course, to regular old nicotine. Um, so we know a lot about toxicology, addiction, liability, habituation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I, there, I'm not going to pretend that we know everything about uh, synthetic nicotine, certainly as with just about everything in the world and the universe, and in particularly the ocean, more research is uh, always welcome. Um, <laughs> I love the little ocean. There's a, there's a tie in there somewhere. I know, I love that. Particularly the ocean, you're just dying. You're like, what? Wait, now I want to hear more. <laughs> I was watching something on YouTube about like innovations in shipbuilding the other night, and like, they they had this one thing that flips up like this and it becomes this like stationary research platform and they can launch all their stuff and and it's just you know like we don't know really what's down there like we as humans have not developed the technology we just you know we're now developing the technology to go to the very very depths of the ocean so we don't really know it's just we haven't seen it so in that case, and as in all cases, more research is needed. That's not a determination as to whether or not we should use the product. It's just an obvious statement. Anybody can make that observation. I'd like to know more. Thank you. Um, we drink coffee all the time. But guess what? There are people still researching coffee. So uh, salty so today. put that in your pipe. You don't have to smoke <laughs> it. 
<laughs> just put it in your pipe. Just put it in, put your, it in damn your pipe, pipe and leave it there. Sit with it. Be no. with it. Be still with it. Um, so really, I uh, you know, spoiler alert. If you're if you're not uh, if you were intending to read this, maybe cover your ears and go la la la. But uh, the conclusion here for us is it really is predicated on the the observation uh, and uh, I think verifiably the fact that uh, FDA and state and local governments are proving incapable of regulating nicotine in a way that is appropriate for the protection of public health, which is evidenced by the fact that manufacturers are switching to synthetic nicotine. Uh, if the regulations were appropriate, if they were proportionate to risk, then uh, it would be a much more clear if you just had a clear and defined pathway to market for manufacturers, that the the improvements would would be massive, um, and of course we would like to see regulations such that demonstrably safer products have sort of an easier path to market. Um, the, the the PMTA was designed to keep new cigarettes off the market, uh, but unfortunately it has created. Uh, whether, whether it is an unintended consequence or by design, it is effectively a bottleneck for bringing safer products to market. So um, synthetic nicotine is simply a natural reaction to overbearing regulation that does not serve the public. Um, and you can see you will see us uh, speaking up in the, the weeks and months and years to come. Uh, uh, advocating against folding synthetic nicotine into existing tobacco regulations, of course, with the exception of common sense things like don't sell it to people under 21 or don't sell it to people under 18. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly don't don't give don't it stick out. Don't in soda or in yeah. alcohol drinks. Yeah. Don't make water. <laughs> God, no. Yeah. Um, and don't do all the stupid things. And please don't appropriate anybody's IP and don't hand them out at kids parties. Nobody does that, but just to state the obvious. Um, so, um, so yeah, uh, give it a gander and uh, look forward to us, um, uh, you know, doing our thing. And yeah, I, the synthetic actually falls under pharma. There are people that have been making that argument since 2018 um, that FDA should regulate it as a drug. Um, and and I, you know. Uh, the, what I agree with is that that is the most likely scenario um, and, and that FDA could do that, I think, rather quickly. And that's that's some of the arguments, I think, that have been presented to FDA, uh, that this is sort of the most obvious solution, um, regulating as a tobacco product, no, no real benefit to consumers on either end of the spectrum here. Um, but I, I think both of those options are available to them, the pharma route being probably the most, the more available, the most common sense thing that, that may or may not take an act of Congress to fix. Um, but, you know, of course, just to say it again, I think our position on this is that this is another opportunity to get nicotine regulations right. And, um, and, and, and that's the path that we should take. So. Um, and we, we put this out as something that people, it, it's a tool for for advocates, um, I don't know if somebody actually requested this or not, but we it, just to have something out there that says that somebody does support this. And I mean, you you explain Alex how this came about. <laughs> um, well, no, it's, it's 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 sort of the natural progression of things. You know, we 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 need to put these things out so that so that our members and, and anybody who stumbles upon across across our website, um, you know, understands that that there is a uh, a consumer issue here. 
Um, this is this is not a you know this isn't corporations versus public health. This is what are consumers actually demanding, and that's part of what uh, it, I, I've written in the, in our position here, which is um, you know we're not being duped into buying these products. No one's being tricked into buying these things. We are demanding them. We are the ones supporting the smoke-free nicotine industry, uh, and so this is this isn't it, it's not. You can't lay this squarely at companies, you know, trying to circumvent the law. Uh, that's that's sort of part of it. But it, what necessitates that is the overbearing regulation. And these are companies that want to continue serving their customers so that their customers don't go back to smoking cigarettes. Uh, and, and so that's I think getting that out there and stating that clearly is very important. Uh, and it's it's for both sides. You know, people in public health. Uh, are, are going to have their arguments. It's probably going to be the same old, same old. We don't know enough. It's nicotine's addictive. It's ruining a generation of children, and and so on. And on the company side, uh, you have businesses that are that are likely going to get uh, market authorizations through FDA for tobacco-derived nicotine, and so they will then turn their efforts into lobbying in ways that police the industry. And uh, so they will be gunning for any manufacturer. They, they may be gunning for any manufacturer who is uh, producing products of synthetic nicotine. And so uh, I think this is this is, is as much as we can muster it up. This is a, a shot across the bow for everyone that there is consumer demand here. There are consumer advocates, consumer activists uh, and, and just regular old people off the street who quit smoking, who are willing to speak up and defend access to synthetic nicotine. And so this is basically, because I was being proactive here and trying to provide this as a tool to our members and to the community at large. So um, that's what that's there for. Yep. Yep. So as we go forward, there'll be probably more refined talking points and, and obviously uh, pre-written messages that people can can use and, and so on as, as these things pop up. We've, we've already kind of missed a few opportunities in some of the usual suspect states. <coughs> um, I don't have a comprehensive list of that, but I know that we've talked about it before. There are several states that have already um, used language that that folds synthetic nicotine into existing tobacco regulations. Uh, sometimes it's kind of common sense stuff, and other times it's going to go above and beyond and, and be like flavor bans and, and all of the horrible regulation that we're trying to stop or or repair here. So there you go. All right. That concludes your take this week. Sir, that, that concludes it. All right. Are we ready to dive deeper? Yes. Let's do it. All right. This week's deep dive. Where are we diving? What are we diving into? Well, I want I want to punt to Kristen because this was your idea. But if you don't want to talk, I can... I'll see if I can get it out. Um, my idea was, was sort of a combination of a lot of things that were happening. One was what's going on in Australia where they just um, kicked in their uh, regulation where you had to get nicotine vapor products with a prescription and all the issues and all the can of worms that's opening up because you've got, on the other hand, they say, oh, you could just go get a prescription. And then the, the American, their medical, Australian Medical Association saying, um, no, don't give prescriptions, this, stick with the regular stuff. So where are you supposed to get the prescription? It's like a catch 22. Mm -hmm. um, and not only that, by doing that, they're essentially treating these nicotine vapor products as a 
smoking cessation medication, a drug, you know, um, yet they're not, you know, approved that way or whatever. They're not exactly, it's just kind of throwing them, lumping them in with, it's a very weird situation in that sense. Um, the other thing was what was going on with Turning Point and their lawsuit um, that they started against the, the FDA for their M MDO um, and, you know, being denied by the FDA. Well, the big thing was people were saying, well, you know, they were just giving out these blanket MDOs and that was wrong. And but there's a hidden story in that. And that what that is, is that the FDA is requiring these uh, clinical studies or uh, cross-sectional uh, co um, blanking on the word uh, cohorts and you know they want they want all these long-term studies and stuff and and proving that they help people quit smoking and everything <clears throat> and i'm like that's essentially making them go through a drug approval process you know it's it's not that they, they, how can they do that is they're, they're doing a de facto drug they're making them prove that they can help people stop smoking and they're not that's a, this is a tobacco product they're not supposed to have to do that um, and all that together, plus with the synthetic nicotine and whether or not that be a pharma product, because if it, if it's, it's really only a, an unapproved drug, if you make therapeutic claims, that's why all these supplements and weight loss things can get away with what they do because they're not make you know, they, they say not evaluated by the FDA and we're not really making claims. <coughs> There's that. And then finally, it's this whole idea there was also the idea that a lot of people don't understand how we got to where we are today. Why are we a tobacco product? Why aren't we, why aren't we, you know, why didn't anybody go and get approval for being a drug product? Why don't we have our own separate category for being nicotine vapor products? You know, how did we get here? Um, and one last thing on this like, that pops into my head whenever I think about this is that <clears throat> vapors themselves and a lot of advocates themselves often say um, that vaping is just for smokers. Vaping is just for people who currently smoke. Um, it's it's for helping people not smoke. It's for they kind of reinforce this whole idea that vaping is just a smoking cessation product and nothing else. And next week, hopefully, we're going to be talking about this great article that just came out by uh, Jacob. It was Jacob Greer, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Um, but, he, you know, he, and he points out the whole thing and, and, and other people pointed out that why can't we use vaping the same way we do anything else? Why can't we're not allowed to enjoy it? It's only supposed to be for a specific purpose. That's it. You know, which really starts to regulate and push us into this corner of and you keep seeing it over and over again when you see uh, <clears throat> the FDA trying to get companies to prove that it helps people quit smoking and that it um and that it's not going to and nobody else is going to ever start it <coughs> so excuse me i'm getting to the end of my thing because i can't talk anymore but but that's how like i that's the idea of what i wanted to talk so about essentially this this deep dive this week is kind of asking <coughs> the question uh is is vaping specifically only for people who smoke that's part of it. And, it, and it's in and, and how are we getting, are we cornering ourselves into being considered only a smoking cessation product rather than I like vaping, you know, I, 
I do it. I like smoking. I do this instead of smoking and I could quit. And I, you know, I've thought about quitting vaping, but I'm like, why? I like it. I'm not killing myself. You know, why should I do that? And it all comes down to it's, oh, it's all about the addiction and stuff like that. You only vape because you're addicted. I mean, imagine just turning that around saying you only drink a glass of wine every week because you're an alcoholic or, you know, or drinking coffee every day because you're addicted. It's, it's, nobody takes that and transfers that over into any other thing that we do because nicotine's been so vilified that nicotine can only be a horrible addictive product or a drug treatment. Right. Without, without pleasure. And we kind of perpetuate that ourselves as advocates sometimes when we say that, you know, well, if you don't smoke, you should never vape. Well, there's a lot of people who are going to start smoking this year. And I've made that argument before that a lot of people are going to start smoking. People start smoking, new smokers start every year. And we're essentially telling them, no, you cannot use this safer product. You can't start with this safer product. We know you want to use nicotine, but you're not allowed to use this product, this safer product, until you've made yourself addicted to cigarettes. Yeah, and, until you first harmed yourself. Yeah, harm yourself first, smoking. and then you can use it. And it completely uh, devalues you know, the, the benefits that a lot of people get from using nicotine, the the pleasure it brings them, the enjoyment it brings them, and it devalues that. And, it, and it, it just gives us this black or white of either it's horribly bad or it's good temporarily to get off the horribly, horribly bad. And we kind of put ourselves in a corner with that. And the FDA is kind of pushing that even, they're pushing that boundary by like with that turn. If you, I read that entire turning point, um, uh, what would you call that? Affidavit, I guess? Lawsuit. Or when they, yeah, when they filed the lawsuit. It, it, what they said this morning and i was just like yeah i mean they're they're they were saying you have to have studies that prove that you that your product helps people quit smoking it's like uh this is not a drug application they're not supposed they just have to prove that it's not worse than smoking essentially is what it has to be not that it helps you and and the fda used those words in its letters you know so i think sometimes that we're we have to be careful as to how we're how we're doing this and and what we really what we're really fighting for here in some cases is, is sort of my sort of take on this and that if we're not careful we may paint ourselves into a treatment corner and nobody's going to be allowed it'd be like saying you know recreational use of cough syrup you know, people would just be like, what? No, you don't do that. And they just cannot fathom that we enjoy vaping and that there's any benefits from vaping and that it's not just some kind of deviant behavior. And I think we should stand up for that. And I don't think we want to be in the pharmaceutical slot, if, that's, if that makes sense. And but that's yeah. kind of what, how I got to what I wanted to talk about today, if that makes sense. <laughs> I, and I, I have you. I, I have lots of things to say, and, and some of them I think we we have talked about this, you know, specifically, uh, you know, like a pharma vape and and the role that 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 has in the, in the greater you know THR ecosystem, and and the fact that it does have a role, but it can't be the only thing. Um, so we, we've certainly had this discussion in the past, um, but um, I, I as as you were talking, I was just thinking of all the things that, that I I have to add to this, and and I'm apologize if we've if, if I've said these things before but 
Um, it is certainly relevant, of course, in, in the wake of Australia and and the language from FDA. I have a little bit of a different read on on the way that that FDA is is using this this RCT requirement. Um, first of all, uh, as everyone has noted, uh, and particularly in in the Turning Point Brands lawsuit, um, uh, inappropriate to come up with these requirements after the deadline. Um, or after you know hundreds of companies have submitted their applications, not knowing that these things would be required, uh, and in fact, in some cases, people giving being given assurances from either contractors from FDA or FDA themselves um, that that these types of, uh, of evidence wouldn't wouldn't be required. Um, so uh, that that is a that is a different issue, um, and 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 we will see how other lawsuits play out in, in those regards, um, but. Uh, when I read through kind of FDA's reasoning for why they want these uh, randomized control trials and longitudinal studies, uh, it has a lot to do with they need some evidence to show that the flavored products work better than tobacco flavor and that 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 by these flavored products working better, you're not putting youth at, at higher risk of, of using them. Um, it, it's, 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 to me, there's a lot of moving puzzle pieces there. Uh, and, and I, I'm, I'm confident that there is research that can show that. Um, but, uh, I, I imagine that is very difficult. And, and of course the expense goes up with the difficulty. Um, so not accessible to everyone. Um, but that, that's kind of how I read it. It's not so much, I, I think Kristen makes a really excellent point here, which is that the, the language is, is very, very close to, this being a drug approval, uh, which is right. not what this is not what I mean, typically when you start moving into clinical trials, you're talking about a drug approval process. Right. And I, I just I, I don't know how else you demonstrate that the flavors flavors have it. I mean, this is evidence you and you all of us can talk about, you know, how flavors kind of are the product. I got to take a second here because I have to appease an, a hungry dog. Um, so he's getting a treat for acting poorly. <laughs> um, yeah, I wish I got treats for acting poorly. This is no, this I, is I agree that it's a chewy wrap and bacon. It's insane. That's nice. Okay, buddy. I agree that yeah, they wanted to show they wanted them to prove that the tobacco that the flavors were more effective than the tobacco flavors. But I understood their argument also as well, why should we have to do that? You know, if it's effective, it's effective. And they did put in studies or research or some kind of data that showed the fact that those flavors were not attracting kids. So that should be all that matters. They should not have to prove that for adults, flavors are better than tobacco because if kids aren't even using the flavors, it's, it's, it's a, what, what are you trying to, point. what are you trying yeah. to argue? It's a pointless, you know, so they prove that their kids were not using their flavors. So you can't say, okay, well, you prove kids aren't using your flavors. Now prove that flavors are better for adults than non-flavored when adults aren't the issue. They can't have it both ways. I under, that was part of their argument. Well, too, I yeah. And I, I think, you know, my read on it is it's, it's not one or the other. It's, it's, and it's, it's okay. Uh, you know, demonstrate that flavors are, are sort of a value add for, uh, you know, over 
tobacco flavor and that young people are not motivated to use these products because of the flavors, which I, and there's that's a ridiculous thing that to have to prove. It should be an or it should be an or. Well, yeah, I, 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 I I think somehow we probably agree. I, I just I feel yeah, like I no. have a different read on it. I think I, I, well, I, I agree. What you're saying is true. That, but I, what I'm saying is it should be an or. And the fact that they came up with that after the fact, you're like, yeah, oh, and by the way, that, we want to prove this that's, too. That's that's kind of the big deal here. Is that you know FDA is 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 pretty obviously pulled a bait and switch on all of these companies. So FDA moving goalposts. Yeah. yeah. But that's a whole other topic. I wanted to stick sort of with the whole um, whether or not vaping should just be for smoking cessation, whether or not we're putting ourselves into a corner as being treated as a drug and we're almost agreeing every time we say that we're giving ammunition because like in in the Australian one, in that article that I posted in um, in the blog, what stood out to me was the way they were using so much quit so you know then they, they keep comparing it to nrts and, and it's like this is not an nrt yet that's the standard we're being held up to are we putting ourselves in that corner too because in that australian one they kept saying you know well it's supposed to help people quit and and if this you know use things that help people quit it's like but that's not what it's supposed to do it's not an nrt and we keep it keeps coming back to that and we keep we're not emphasizing enough that we're not an nrt we're an alternative you know? Yeah, I, I I see I see what you're saying, and and I partially disagree, but <laughs> uh, and it's it's I mean we're just really splitting hairs over words here. I, I mean, uh, you know, conceptually, conceptually, uh, vaping literally is NRT. You you are using right. a, a different nicotine product. It's a true from, NRT from as opposed to the other stuff. Right. And it is a true statement that people quit smoking by switching to right. vaping, just as they quit smoking by switching to NRT. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm just kind of splitting hairs on the words here. But it's the method by which people engage with the product. That's, I think, what's, isu- what's at issue here. And Australia has strictly limited that engagement to through your general practitioner. You, you must have a prescription. This is a... Mm-hmm a medicine type of product, which is really chopping off vaping at the knees. And to your point, the reason why vaping is, is successful is because we enjoy it. No one had to, no one had to pressure any of us into trying these products. Obviously in the United States, there hasn't been a lick of communication from public health officials saying you should try vaping. The only way that they can come around to, you know, covering their own ass is by saying things like, well, if all of these other things fail, which, by the way, if you're, I mean, really strictly adhering to that concept of failing with all other strategies, you have to fail like a dozen times or more. That's 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 the sage advice from our Centers for Disease Control. Um, and before a, a, a doctor, it would feel uh, okay about recommending vaping as an alternative. Um, so, yeah, it's it it again it's 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 how we engage with the product that is is really at issue here and and treating it solely like a, a drug or device is is the wrong way to go about it it's not we're not going to we're not the most most people are not going to be served by that um but but before i i i hand over the the conch shell um i i wanted to say um 
you know, part of this, and, and you touched on this, was sort of this preconditioning the use of vapor products by saying well, you can only be a smoker. Um, this is something that we spoke out, uh, not really against, but more questioning the wisdom. I literally said we question the wisdom of Altria in, in their promotion of ICOs and, and sort of strictly uh, limiting sales to people who smoke. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure that this whole sales process may break down depending on the retail environment. Um, certainly, we still have, you know, convenience store clerks and, and you know, other people selling products to minors and, and not IDing them. Mistakes happen. Uh, people play fast and loose with the rules. That's that's just the human experience. Um, but uh, it, it, it really it, it is a big issue. And, and I'm I it, it resonates me resonates with me in particular because today marks 15 years since I woke up in a treatment facility for drugs and alcohol. Um, so 15 years ago today, I spent my first full night in uh, a rehab facility in, in Warnersville, Pennsylvania. And uh, I, having seen some of the stuff coming out of Philadelphia in particular, uh, and also on, you know, the, you know, piggybacking on what we were just saying about ICOS, um, I was very fortunate, um, you know, in addition to being a privileged white man, uh, I was also fortunate to be in a treatment facility that didn't precondition care with quitting smoking. I was allowed to continue smoking for the four months that I was there. And um, that that's something that, you know, I, I can tell you from my own experience, if they had told me you've got to quit smoking if we're going to let you in, I would have gone right back out to drinking. That's that's just how that works. Um, I have certainly been in in a hospital at one point, and uh, you know, uh, for reasons. And uh, I just all I wanted to do was get out and smoke a cigarette. How are you feeling? How, are you feeling better? It's like, yeah, I really want a cigarette. Like, you know, <laughs> if, if 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 I had the capacity to check myself out to go smoke a cigarette, I would have done it. Um, so. Uh, it's almost the, like interrogation under duress. You'll say anything. Yeah, you, you've got you've got people backed into a corner, and you're you're asking these people to you know weigh their their health and their lives uh, against you know. I just I just want a cigarette, man. Like it, it's there are other things. You know, the immediate threat to people's health is smoking. The, the immediate threat to people's health is drinking. It, it's 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 using too much cocaine, whatever the problem. That's the immediate threat. Cigarettes can, that's a long-term kind of process. It takes many, many, many years before you start experiencing life-threatening consequences from smoking. So put it on a back burner and let I people can. continue smoke before giving them care. Um, and, you know, with to just tie this back into what we were talking about, you know, if we're going to treat all of these harm reduction products like medicine, well, you know, the conventional wisdom, it's not FDA guidance, but the conventional wisdom, I think most people still believe is that you have to quit smoking first. You have to quit smoking in order to use this product. You have to have been a smoker in order to use this product. Um, but what about all of the people who are at risk of starting smoking? Why do they have to go and harm themselves in order to get care? This is a story that I heard while I was in treatment. There was a person who was uh, struggling with uh, benzos. Uh, I, I forget the whole word. Benzodiazepines. 
benzo benzodiazepine yeah uh and they tried to check into a treatment they 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 had that moment of clarity they woke up and they said i don't want i'm sick and tired of being sick and tired i need help and they went to a treatment facility and they turned them away because they didn't consider benzos to be a problem or they they, they their insurance wouldn't cover the treatment or something i can't remember what the issue was and so the kind of off, you know, the, the tongue in cheek comment, I think, from the people at the facility was, you know, if you had a drinking problem, we could take you right now. And so this person, desperate for help, went out, bought two bottles of wine, chugged them, came back to the treatment facility drunk and said, I'm I'm ready. Hopefully they, they weren't also taking benzos. Uh, benzos and alcohol is a uh, very risky combination same with benzos and, and opioids uh i yeah i in general would recommend people not to mix drugs but those two combinations are um particularly uh risky yeah i, I don't i don't think this person was they were uh, it was one of those moments where it's like i'm gonna use I'm, I'm gonna use i know how this day is going to end and i don't want to and so i'm going to treatment and and so they that was that was the scenario yeah but yeah, yeah still you're not allowed to drink alcohol unless you do 500 shots of 151 first. You're not allowed to drink coffee unless you go straight to extra dark triple shot espressos first. I mean, I just don't, the whole, it just doesn't make any sense. And it, is, and it really comes down to, and we'll hopefully we'll talk about this more next week, but it comes down to that. There's, there's just no acknowledging that there's any benefits for us to be using nicotine, that we all only use it because we got ourselves addicted. And they won't tell you why we got addicted, you know, because we were tricked. it's not like, yeah, we were tricked. Well, but it's not like, remember, it's, it's not like that, you, you know, you try it and you're immediately addicted. Like Logan and I have said many times, there's no drug in the world that you try it once and you're instantly addicted to it. Everybody who became dependent on nicotine, went back. There was something that made them go, ooh, and they went back. They do that with any kind of drug. Something makes you go, ooh, and you go back. And, and to keep using it, and then you get dependent on it, possibly. You know? Yeah, sure. I mean, from drug to drug, there are uh, I mean, different what you would say, um, uh, addictive potential or dependence potential, given the uh, rate, you know, routes of administration, right. delivery, uh, the short term, uh, how long a drug lasts uh, with you. Right. Um, certain drugs are, are like nicotine is a really short acting uh, stimulant. Uh, so that short acting stimulant increases repetition. That's something that can increase the likely likelihood of dependence. Uh, but there is no drug out there where you do it once and you're 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 in full-blown you know uh like a problematic use addiction uh it's just not the way that addiction develops that's it's a it's a it's a process it's a rep repetitive process it's it's repetition of using that drug uh and and getting to that point and, so and nicotine doesn't it's just even that is that, that is one of the oldest drug myths in the book of drug right. myths is that's you know that's one hit and you're in your hook right. it, and that's why they purposely use things like Oh, nicotine's as addictive as heroin. And mm -hmm. nobody questions that. Nobody's like, what does that even mean? You know, and, and really, nicotine doesn't really do all that much to trigger your brain to want more in the if same way. If you were to way. simply look at the 
rate of, of, of young people or people in general who have tried smoking or tried nicotine at some point right. in their life. And then the rates of people who continue to use it, you'll right. find again, I mean, the adult population, what, where were we at 14 or something, 14, 15% of adults uh, in this country um, still, still smoke, still use nicotine. So, but how many more have tried it? The, the, yeah, the big picture here lifetime. is that most people outgrow it. Most people don't continue. Alex uh, has made this point multiple times right. uh, about with, with substance use in general is a lot of people outgrow it or they, they just never carry on. Um, many people try cocaine once at a party when they're younger or they, they try methamphetamine or they try uh, a benzodiazepine, whatever it may be. Maybe they use it a little bit. I know plenty of people who through college used Adderall very regularly uh, to get through schooling. And then once they graduated, they had no interest in in using Adderall anymore. It was simply the benefits of being able to cram, you know, a week's worth of studying into one night or writing a four page essay in two hours before it's due, whatever the case may be. Um, but like with any other drug, there are a lot of people who simply use it for its benefits um, and then they move on with their lives. And that's 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 literally the entire story. And, you know, we can sensationalize it however we do here in this country. But really, that's that's the reality. The vast majority of people who use drugs do so in a non problematic way. And an even greater majority of those people don't continue that drug use. It's a very short term thing. It's whatever it may be. And that's the case with nicotine just like anything else you know it's there's a and lot of people i knew people that when i was in high school uh i would see them occasionally out at what we referred to as smoker's corner uh outside and now i know them as adults and they're like oh yeah i, I quit smoking like right after i graduated right. you know they just smoked in high school because it was a it was a fad it was a thing it was whatever for them to to be with their friends to do that and then it's something like 86 percent or something of people have I don't, I, mean, I think it's something that high. I only saw it once a while ago is how many who have tried smoking versus how many who become dependent on it. But again, I think the whole point that I wanted to bring this up with was to just point out that they're really trying to pigeon us, pull us vapors as we're doing something medicinal, that this is only as a treatment, it's only a last resort, it shouldn't really be enjoyed. Um, Do you think that's just because for so long, <laughs> really until vapor products hit the market and became a tobacco product, became a consumer product, anything that was a nicotine product outside of uh, smokeless or, or, you know, physical leaf tobacco, anything that was a nicotine product that wasn't leaf tobacco was a medication, was a pharma product, was an NRT, your gums, your patches, your lozenges, your inhalers, your sprays, all of those products where vaping kind of fell in this weird, you know, this is a, a, a leafless, not leaf tobacco nicotine product that is now a tobacco. It's a consumer product. It's not a pharma product. So you think that it's just that mindset of like, well, it's not leaf tobacco, but it's still nicotine, so it has to be pharmaceutical, it has to be medicine. And, no, I think that's just a, a 
an artifact of the of what the anti-tobacco nicotine zealots have created over the last 30 years right is that it can only be those two things that people are only smoked because they're addicted there's no other benefit for it um and that i mean i mean think about it caffeine is used as a drug it's used as a sure, medicine it's used uh uh in things like tylenol along with yeah uh, but, and, and, that's, to... and they're perfectly fine with that you yeah. can drink your coffee and enjoy it as a pleasurable thing and it can be you know a treatment too so no i don't buy that and i think but i do think that vapors themselves have painted themselves into are, are, are still painting themselves into this corner by it's for quitting smoking i'm quitting smoking i'm and which you are but you have to a lot of people will say quitting smoking you've only quit if you also quit the nicotine and i think we have to stand up for ourselves and say i enjoy the nicotine it benefits me i get this benefit from it and just like people who enjoy their coffee or enjoy their um alcohol or whatever else i have a right to enjoy this and know it and and that we shouldn't just say it's just a treatment for quitting smoking because there are too many people who are still starting smoking and we don't want to paint ourselves into that I haven't either. fully fleshed this idea out, but I keep, I keep stirring in the idea of, and I know we're approaching six o'clock very rapidly yes, right now, good. Alex. So I'm going to get this thought out really quickly, but it's, I keep coming back to the idea of safe supply uh, when we talk about drugs. And it's kind of like making that argument that the safe supply of drugs is only for people who are currently drug users. And if you're not currently <laughs> a drug user, then you have to resort to uh, the unpredictable and and quite likely tainted um, drug supply that is out on the illicit market. So if you've already risked your health, uh, you've already uh, possibly um, you know harmed yourself in, in in other ways. That now once you've gone through that harm and you've you've risked your life, now you can have a safe supply of those drugs. And I that's where I go. No, I you know. Personally, I'm not not through Gasa now. Whatever. Personally, I would prefer to see a regulated, safe supply market for drugs. That anyone who would who would be interested, or anyone who is is determined to go use a drug, has access to a safe supply of it from the get go, and does not need to go through you know an illicit supply where where they harm themselves and risk their lives first. That's what I keep going back to in my head. This whole conversation exactly that idea of safe supply should not just be limited to people who have already risked their lives and harmed themselves, that we should just have that legal access to a safe supply. And I think that that same idea applies to nicotine here. Again, not just because nicotine is a drug, but you shouldn't have to go through the harms of, of smoking and, and those harms to your health in order to have access to a safer product. You should be able to have access to that safer product from the get-go. There, there should the prerequisite of harming yourself shouldn't be a thing. Well, here's a good argument. No, you have to smoke marijuana before you can vape it. It's, it, it's just that idea of like, it's why ridiculous. do we have to harm ourselves before we can? But use people the will be product? like, well, that's it's, stupid. It's, that's nonsensical. It's it. it you're it you're literally same... you're basically saying you have to first harm yourself. We should be a socially acceptable chemical consumer. 
I mean, that's that's the way I see it. I think we're know? all chemical consumers if exactly, you really get right? into a chemical but, but one way or another. I mean, literally everybody is a chemical same, water. <laughs> we're all chemical stuff. consumers. <laughs> and actually, out of all of them, caffeine and nicotine are the safest ones for people. You know, because they don't Generally impair speaking. you. Nobody's getting a ticket because they're swerving all the roll on all over the roll because of their coffee, because their caffeine, or because of their nicotine. Well, if they drop the cigarette, but <laughs> but you know what I'm saying that that it doesn't impair you. It doesn't. It's not. It doesn't. You know, intoxicate you. There's no inebriation. It, it's it's very much on par with caffeine, and we need to kind of push that, and don't paint ourselves into the corner of being a drug or a treatment. So we, as as advocates, need to stop saying it's only for people who already smoke. It's only for um, harm reduction, because in a way, it's not just harm reduction, because a lot of us enjoy this. And eventually, if smoking no longer exists, it's not reducing harm from anything. It's just something you do, like going to Starbucks and getting your coffee or going to the bar and getting your drink. And it's not to say like that's the world I want to see things where I mean, and even snooze or other other alternatives, not only are they harm reduction, they're also harm prevention. And they're also just safer alternatives, period, like across the board. That's yeah, people didn't start using snooze in, in, in Sweden because they thought it was helping them. They just preferred it. You know, that was what they did instead of the smoking. So, yeah, I mean, I see a lot of vape shop owners saying, I, I want to be put out of business someday because there's no need for me. And I'm like, I don't want you to be put out of business because I think there's always going to be a need because people are going to always want their nicotine, <laughs> you know? So, but you may not just be, a, you may, you're just not going to be a harm reduction anymore. You're just going to be providing a consumer product that people want. So True. that was kind of where I was going with all that. But I don't know. I didn't have a solid thought on that. So no, I think I think they were all solid thoughts. I, and and Logan, thanks for. I, I think your points are, are salient and and, yeah. and 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 really, I think on a technical level, that that that's pretty much what we're talking about here. That you know these products exist, these drugs exist. People use them and they enjoy them. Uh, and and limiting it to therapy is is I think missing the point. Uh, and 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 potentially even contributing to harm. And so the most yeah, important thing so. is that Absolutely. is that we that we have assurances through appropriate regulation that the products we're using are relatively safe, aren't going to kill you instantly. Um, and, and a lot of this takes a bit of a societal shift, which is, I think, happening at the moment. It's it's slow. It's but it's it's happening in just, you know, society acknowledging that there there is a percentage of us who enjoy using these drugs and that we can use these things responsibly. Uh, and there's really, there is no justification for sending people into dangerous situations or, uh, you know, having this prerequisite that you've already harmed yourself. Uh, and so I, all of these, I think, are, are wonderful points. And I offer that in summation so that we can end this segment and I can go feed, feed my hungry, spoiled brat of a dog. Um, and, and we can come back. Next yeah, week. this bacon wrap treat is not quite yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I do think that is an excellent uh, place to end. Listen, I'm sure uh, throughout our time doing these streams that a lot of these points we're going to be reiterating on or flushing out a little bit further along the way. So I hope everybody continues to join us uh, every week uh, here on Casa Live. Uh, so. I know I, I ask, and Jim hates that I ask. Does anybody have any final thoughts uh, this week before I kind of run through our ending spiel? No? Okay. 
So, yes, thank you, everybody who tuned in this week. Uh, we are live every Saturday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 p.m. over on the other coast and everywhere in between or around the world. You're just going to have to do the math yourself. I'm real bad at it. For podcast listeners, there will be two versions of this available to you. The full version, you'll be able to listen to this entire discussion. You'll be able to listen to Alex tell you it's over here and over here. Uh, <laughs> and then there's also going to be the shorthand legislative rundown that you can tune into for just all the need to know stuff about what's happening right now. For anybody watching, anybody watching a replay, anybody listening, if you have not yet joined CASA, please do. It is absolutely free to join. Head over to CASA.org. Join us and uh, and our, I don't know, what's our, our member count? Somewhere somewhere in the millions last, right now? Last, no, last I checked, we <laughs> were... We were we were just north of two hundred and sixty thousand. So yeah, join us and two hundred and sixty thousand other incredible advocates uh, here at Casa because it's not just the three of us up here on the screen or that you're listening to. It's not just the rest of the Casa board, but it is everybody all together. We are Casa. So join us, please. It's absolutely free. You can sign up for the newsletter, get into the blog, sign up for calls to action, alerts, all those things. Uh, Alex at the top of the hour ran through the legislation uh, for all sorts of stuff, but I just want to reiterate that national call to action. Uh, so please get that in if you have not done it yet. I think that's going to be a special guest next week. So Ooh, we may have, we may have things in the works for special guest appearances. Special episode. Cool. I'm excited. I hope everybody else is excited. So uh, thank you one last time to everybody out there. Uh, be safe. We hopefully we'll see you all next week. And, uh, and that's it for us. Be excellent to each other, everybody. Bye.